0: clearing out debris from a flooded home, chainsaw crews cutting apart sections of a fallen tree, and support trailers providing hot meals, laundry, and showers to people in need. Through the Eliza Broadus offering, Kentucky Baptist Disaster Relief is better prepared to make more of these ministries possible. EBO contributions keep Disaster Relief equipment running and up to date. This money helps make up for the wear and tear that comes from years of service. These funds also help our teams to stay mobile. Last year, our teams responded to 12 disaster events, sent volunteers to assist in four different states, and even sent an assessment team to Mali. Funding kept these ministries active for 1,998 days, enabling them to provide care and connection with the good news of Jesus Christ. EBO also supports our statewide training events, that prepare more than 500 volunteers to respond to disaster locally and even outside of the U.S. This training helps our volunteers stay up-to-date on the best ways they can serve, that they can lead, and live out the love of Jesus where it is desperately needed. God is receiving the glory through the new salvations that we are seeing wherever we go. I encourage you to give to the Liza Broadus offering. Know that this partnership empowers our efforts in Kentucky and around the world to be more like Jesus in what we say and do. This is icing on the cake for me to get to go help people in time of need because I know uh, when, th- when something like this happens to you, there's a lot of questions. It would be in my life, there'd be a lot of questions as to why am I going through this. And uh, sometimes it's good to have somebody come along of you and, and say, you know, hey, we're here with you. You know, it's, uh, life's going to be a, a bunch of trials. It's not going to be a cakewalk. And uh, we're all going to experience the same things. But I'm here with you and I'm going to help you. So uh, that's what I like. That's what I like about it is, is coming alongside people and helping them out when I can.
1: I am obeying Jesus Christ. And I never really understood what obeying Jesus Christ meant until the first time I did this. You go away with this unbelievable feeling in your heart. It, it, it's awesome.
0: You can find out more about this offering at kywmu.org, and to learn about how you can become a disaster relief volunteer, visit kybaptist.org/dr.
1: Is it on now? Yeah, it is. Okay, cool, cool. All right, glad to get that worked out. <laughs> I think that was my fault. So, jumping topics big time Stradivarius violins. Have you ever heard of a Stradivarius violin? They have the reputation of being some of the greatest instruments ever made. Stradivari, Antonio etoni, Stradivari was the one responsible for making all of these violins. And he lived in the late 1600s on into the beginning of the 1700s. His sort of golden age for making violins was from 1700 to 1725. Anytime a Stradivarius violin goes out to be sold at maybe an um, an auction or something like that, It goes for millions of dollars. Um, These are priceless instruments. If you're a professional musician or a collector of these, people just absolutely love not only the look of them, but especially the sound of a Stradivarius. They haven't yet figured out exactly why the sound is so special of a Stradivarius violin, and there's only been about 600 that have survived. Um, So these are are very unique, and if you compare them to a modern day violin, they're far beyond the sound quality of violins that that have been made today. Um, There are different theories as to why this is, Uh, maybe it was because of the climate in Italy where Stradivari lived. Uh, it was cooler during that time, um, so maybe somehow that helped the, the wood to bring out a better acoustical quality of the wood. Uh, maybe it was like some type of chemical treatment that he put on each of the violins that has been lost to history, and, and we don't know why. Uh, Maybe it was just his genius, maybe he just was given a God-given genius about making violins. We don't really know why his violins are so special compared to others, but we do know that he could take an ordinary piece of wood and create something very special. Crafting it into something very special and unique. And you know what? God can do that too. God, of course, if he wanted to, could create a violin out of a block of wood. But you know what he really loves to do? He loves to craft lives. To change them. To transform them into his masterpiece. And you and I can be those instruments that he uses for his glory if we'll just yield our lives to trust in him. Abraham in the Old Testament was one of these lives that God used in a very special and unique way. You have probably heard Abraham's story and how God used him how God called him from his home to go to a land that God promised him. You've heard about Abraham's faith, about how he believed God even though he had been promised a child, even though his wife and him hadn't been able to have any children and now they were old in age. He believed God and and he went and he trusted in God. We know about what Abraham did past his calling, but how much do you know about where Abraham came from? His origin story, his his background. I think you're going to be encouraged today to hear that Abraham was just an ordinary person, just like me, just like you. He was just in ordinary piece of wood, if you will, until God laid his hand on Abraham and God crafted something special and, and unique in his life and he wants to do the same thing for us. He wants to take us and to change us and to transform us into God's own handiwork that makes a unique mark in this world for the glory of Jesus Christ. If you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 11. This is Abraham's beginnings. This is Abraham's origin. We're going to read starting in verse 10 of that chapter on to verse 3 of chapter 12. God uses ordinary people for his kingdom. And you can be one of them, too. These are the family records of Shem. Shem lived 100 years and fathered Arpashad two years after the flood. After he fathered Arpashad, Shem lived 500 years and fathered other sons and daughters. Arpashad lived 35 years and fathered Shelah. After he fathered Shelah, Arpashad lived 403 years and fathered other sons and daughters. Shelah lived 30 years and fathered Eber. After he fathered Eber, Shelah lived 403 years and fathered other sons and daughters. Eber lived 34 years and fathered Peleg. After he fathered Peleg, Eber lived 430 years and fathered other sons and daughters. Peleg lived 30 years and fathered Ryu. After he fathered Ryu, Peleg lived 209 years and fathered other sons and daughters. Ryu lived 32 years and fathered Sureg. After he fathered Sureg, Ryu lived 207 years and fathered other sons and daughters. Sirreg lived 30 years and fathered Nahor. After he fathered Nahor, Shereg lived 200 years and fathered other sons and daughters. Nahor lived 29 years and fathered Terah. After he fathered Terah, Nahor lived 119 years and fathered other sons and daughters. Terah lived 70 years and fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haran. These are the family records of Terah. Terah fathered Abram, Nahor, and Haram, and Haram fathered Lot. Haran died in his native land, in Ur of the Chaldeans, during his father Terah's lifetime. Abram and Nahor took wives. Abraham's wife was Sarai, and Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haram, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Sarai was unable to conceive. She did not have a child. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, Haran's son, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and they set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years and died in Haran. Chapter 12. The Lord said to Abram, Go out from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. This is God's holy word. So as we've gone through the beginning of Genesis, we've come to several different genealogies. This genealogy is important because it connects Noah to Abraham, two different forefathers of our faith. And we're shown exactly how God brought this about. He chooses to use people in his time for specific purposes. Shem, if you remember from a few weeks ago, was one of Noah's son. And as Noah was making sort of a predictive prophecy over his sons he blessed Shem over his other two sons and he said blessed is the God of Shem this genealogy shows us exactly how Shem was going to be blessed by God because it was out of his family line that Noah would be Connected with Abraham, then named Abram. Abram was the man that God called to go to the land that he had promised. He said, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to make you into a great nation, even though Sarai, his wife, had not been able to conceive and have a child. I will bless you, I will make your name great. And through you all the peoples of the earth will be blessed. So it was through Shem's line that this promise of blessing for the entire world was going to come to fruition. But before we get to Abraham's calling and how God brought about this blessing... Let's talk about his background more. Abraham's dad was a man named Terah. Terah had three different sons. There was Abram, there was Haran, and then there was Nahor. Haran had a son named Lot. That's a familiar name because Lot, who was Abram's nephew factors into Abraham's story as the book of Genesis plays out. They lived in a in a place called Ur. And we know this because Haran died early in Ur. So Abraham's background was growing up in this city called Ur. This city has been excavated by different archaeologists. We know there were there were two different harbors there opening up into the River Euphrates. There was a ziggurat there to the moon god. There were different residential houses. This was an ancient city that we know something about because it's been excavated. He was Abraham was born and raised in in Ur. This was where he came from. This was his Origin. This was his hometown. And nothing about this upbringing sets him apart from anybody else at this time. He would go on, we're told, to get married. His wife was named Sarai. And just like Abram's name was changed to Abraham by God, her name was changed to Sarah later. She could not have a baby at this point. But as we know, God worked a miracle, and she was able to bear a child later on. Before Abraham's father, Terah, died, the family started to move to the land of Cana. But Terah didn't make it. He, he died on the way there. And then they stayed in this place called Haran. And it was there that God gave Noah This special calling. Go out from the land, your relatives and your father's house, to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. We'll stop there as far as Abraham's story goes. But know this. From that promise on, that's in Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3, throughout the rest of the Bible is God fulfilling this one promise. All of the rest of the Bible is God bringing this covenant promise that he gave to Abraham to completion. There is hardly a greater promise even in all of the scriptures. What I want to stay focused and glued on, though, however, is Abraham's story, his, his background story, that is. When I was sharing with you about his family line, was there anything that stood out to you as being very special, as being very impressive? No, for that matter, it's pretty boring, right? It's just this person lived here this person died they decided to move somewhere it it doesn't really connect with us because there's nothing really exceptional about it nothing absolutely nothing stands out about abraham in his in his origin story up until his calling in chapter 12 then he really stands out and it's not because of him it's because Completely, God's calling was on his life. And what an encouragement all this is to you and me. What an encouragement to know that God doesn't choose to use the already equipped, the already polished, the people that have impressive resumes. No, he chooses to use some of the most ordinary people from ordinary Places that you don't even realize, that they don't stand out. They're so easy to overlook. God is all the time doing this all throughout His Word. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, we're told exactly why God does this. Why does God love to use ordinary people? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, and not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world. What is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. This was the Apostle Paul writing to a local congregation, and and he's writing this congregation and he's encouraging them to look, look, from a worldly point of view, not many of you were from wealthy backgrounds, not many of your families or tribes had much prestige in the eyes of the world. But he said, look, God hasn't called those people. God has chosen you. And he's chosen to use you so that nobody can mistake man's power with the power of God. Nobody can boast in the presence of God. When God chooses to use just ordinary people for his glory. Because nobody can say, look what I've done. Everybody knows it's God who is the one doing it all. What I love about this truth is this truth is for every Christian. If you have trusted in Jesus Christ, if you've called out on the name of the Lord to save you, then God has called you. He's selected you. He, he's, he's chosen you for a specific purpose in this time. In Ephesians chapter 2, he, God even calls us his masterpieces. Listen to this. For we are God's masterpiece. He, he's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You see, God takes, he loves to take just an ordinary person, an ordinary life, and craft that life into a way that glorifies him, that shows the best of what he can do. And the unique thing about this is you are unique. Every person who is following Christ, is being crafted into God's masterpiece in such a way that how God has shaped you and designed you and placed you is going to be completely unique and different from anyone who has ever existed. And this is for every single Christian. To God, there are no little people. There are no little places There's only people that are surrendering to his call and those who aren't surrendering to his call. And guess who God chooses to use? It's those who have surrendered to the call of God. Now, one last fact that I left about Abraham's background earlier. In in Joshua, another book in the, the Old Testament, we're given just one little snippet about Abraham's background. It's about his father, Terah. Let me, let me read this to you from Joshua chapter 12. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the river Euphrates and worshipped other gods. So, Let's get this straight. If Terah lived in Ur beyond the Euphrates River and he worshipped other gods there, it follows that Abraham, who grew up in Terah's household, would have worshipped other gods too. We don't often think of Abraham in this way because we view him as the forefather of of Israel. Worshipping only God, but it wasn't always so apparently in Abraham's life. For decades of his life before God called him out, he was worshipping other gods along with the rest of the people there in Ur. He had to leave those gods behind and he had to worship the one and true God to fulfill his calling that God had placed in his life. And listen, it's just like that for us in our lives too. God calls us, Jesus calls us and the the basic call on our lives is come and follow me. Come and leave behind your old sins. Come and leave behind your old gods, your old hopes and dreams, your old desires for yourselves. Take up your cross, deny yourself, and then follow me. Believe in me. Trust in me. Make me your life. Stop trying to make a life for yourself. Trust in me. You see, it's this basic call on our life. If we want to Become instruments in the hands of God, we have to accept this basic call that He's given us. There's no if and or buts about it. Abraham couldn't stay in Ur worshiping other gods and follow the one true God. No, he had to leave, he had to adjust to be able to follow God's will, and it's always like that. If we want to experience God and if we want God to use us, we have to make major adjustments to our life. Our will has to match God's will in our life. And the basic calling always is come and follow me. And if we do that, he promises to give us new life. He promises to give those through his death for us, on the cross and in his resurrection, eternal life. But we have to leave the old life behind in order to follow God, in order to become this living, breathing masterpiece that God wants to craft our lives into. We have to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you willing to do that today? Have you done that? Are you willing to leave behind your plans to follow Christ and his plans for your life? Are you willing to make those major sacrifices and adjustments? I wish I could tell you that you can have both, but you can't. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You have to die to the old you have to believe in Christ for the new. You can't have both. You can't have the gods in err and then follow the calling of the one true God. Are you willing to lay your life down, to follow Jesus Christ? Do you want to be made new? Do you want to say to God today, God, I give you control of my life and I want you to transform me as I follow Jesus Christ. Or maybe you already are a Christian. Maybe you already are following Jesus. But sometimes we get off of the path. There's a classic book called The The Pilgrim's Progress, written by the Puritan author named John Bunyan. One of the best-selling books in history other than the Bible. And it recounts the story of, it's an allegorical story of a man named Christian leaving his life to journey to the celestial city. And he goes through many different trails and many different trials. But the fundamental part of this story is life with Christ is a journey. Sometimes we do fall. Sometimes we do stumble off the trail. So this morning, maybe you are following Christ, but maybe you've stumbled off the trail. And maybe this morning it's time to get back and embrace the calling that God has given you. Maybe this morning is your time to reaffirm, God, you are more important to me than anything else in my life. Please keep crafting me. Keep changing me. I, I want to be that, that beautiful masterpiece in your hands. God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, you and me, the most ordinary people, and what is viewed as nothing but by the world, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one may boast in his presence. God wants to take your life to show off his glory in this world. But you have to let him. And you have to accept the calling that God has given you. Can't keep going down the same road that you want to go on. You have to adjust to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you do that today? Let's go to him in prayer. Father, Lord, thank you. We acknowledge your holy name. Lord, you are incredible. You are beautiful. Lord, please help us to surrender. Give us the power to sacrifice. Give us the power to change. Give us the the power and the willingness in our hearts to follow the way that you want us to go. To do your will, Lord God, and help that become greater and more important to us than anything or anyone else.